0: and no one else writes about it except Paul and Jesus lifts up the bread and says this is my body that was broken for you but under a Jewish Passover they always blessed the wine first then the body the bread then the wine again it's interesting to note that Jesus lifts up the bread because symbolically this is my body I just want to read something quickly to you This is in Deuteronomy 25, and it says, If there's a dispute between men and they come to court and the judge may judge them and they justify the righteous and they condemn the wicked, then they shall be, if the wicked man deserves to be beaten, that the judge will cause him to lie down, be beaten in his presence according to his guilt. With a certain number of blows, 40 blows will be may be given and no more lest they should exceed this and beat him with many blows above these and your brother will be humiliated in his sight under the Jewish law if you were found guilty if two of us went to court and we had a dispute and we'd argue our case and they found someone innocent and they found me guilty could be a dispute about anything and if that guilt was pretty bad you would they would recommend a certain amount of lashes with a whip and the maximum was 40 but they would always give you 39 they didn't want to break the law of Moses by giving you more than 40 so they always make it short 39 and here it's talking about an unrighteous and a righteous man but what Jesus lifted up the body he was righteous he never committed no crime he never committed any spoke anything unjust Jesus was sinless. But when he stood in the gap, he lifted up the bread first because he was going to go to the whipping post and take the scourging. The Jewish law says no more than 39 lashes. But Jesus took the whip of a Roman, not a Jew. They said, just do whatever you want. Just don't kill him. The Roman whip, sorry, the Jewish whip was one, one strap. But the Roman As you know in the passion of the crisis cat and nine tails there were many straps to this whip there was clay and metal tied to the end of the straps they would put it in water so when they whipped him it would stick to the body so when they took the strap off the whip off it would rip the skin off his body what am i saying all this christ lifted up the bread said this is my body broken for you isaiah says that by his wounds we are healed see every sickness came from the devil it came from the fall of man in the curse there was no sickness till man fell so an unrighteous man caused sickness and disease and curse on the land but guess what jesus took his place amen the first adam sin reigned but the last adam jesus christ he took the sin of Adam took this, my sin took your sin and was whipped on the scourging post until nearly to died. his body was broken there was nothing left on his body he was a piece of meat hanging on a cross he says this is my body that was broken for you when you partake of the bread you partake of his body that was broken for the, for the, for the healing of your body and that an unrighteous sin of ours was taken by a righteous man Jesus Christ amen as we eat, if you have sickness in your body, if you have sin in your, in, in, in your world, repent of it now. If you're standing before the judge now. But you want to be innocent? Partake of the body of Jesus, amen? His body was broken for you. And he says, and do this in remembrance of me. So as we partake, partake and eat, we partake of the suffering of our Lord, but we, we eat of the victory at the cross, amen? Father, I thank you for the body that was broken. Father, I partake of this by faith in your presence, Lord. And Lord, if I have sin in my life, Lord, I repent. I lay it before you. I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, as I eat, I eat of the suffering of the broken body of Jesus that I may be healed. And I thank you for what you have done for me. In Jesus' name we eat. Amen. Blood was always used as a covenant in the Old Testament. Whenever they make a covenant, whether it's marriage, whether it's business, whether it was uh, religious, blood had to be shed. That's where we get the word, we cut a deal, cut a covenant. We used to cut something to make blood. And Jesus lifts up the wine. He says, this is the blood of the everlasting covenant. Everlasting means it's forever, never to be broken. And He shed His blood that we could have and being in covenant with Him. The Bible says life is in the blood. So when He shed His blood on our behalf that we may be redeemed, amen. The Bible says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We don't love our life unto death. The blood washes our sin and He remembers them no more. Hallelujah. His blood and covenant is everlasting to everlasting. So as we drink, we don't just drink of a bit of wine. We are drinking of His mercy for our life. When we drink, we drink of the new life that He gave us. And we drink this until He returns. And we thank Him for the blood. Amen? That nothing cries out loud than the blood of Jesus. Again, lift up your hearts. Make sure your heart is right before Him. And receive the mercy of God. And we drink of the love and the mercy of God for our salvation.
1: We are in covenant
0: with him. It can never be broken. And we drink in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to sing one more song. Thank you, Lord, that the words spoken today are yours and not mine, that your spirit is among us. Let your breath breathe upon us today, Lord. I thank you for every person in this room today. They're not here by chance, not here. they're here by divine revelation from your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that today we leave different than we came in. Lord, we thank you that we honor you, that Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives. Amen. He's Lord over this meeting. His Lord over our hearts. And Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks in advance. Father, I ask you to bless every person here today. Bless the children as they go upstairs, Lord. We thank you for, for your wonderful grace and mercy. Lord, I ask you to have your way here today. And we give you all the glory. You get all the praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Hallelujah. Before you sit down, say hello to someone quickly. I know everyone hasn't seen each other for a while. hit the light, someone, hallelujah, glory to your name, good to see a lot of your faces, amen, hallelujah, awesome. Lori, Hope all had a great Christmas, New Year, Australia Day. We give God all the glory, amen? We do live in the best country in the world, don't we? No? Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, it's awesome to see you guys. I'll get a chance to say hello to everyone. It's been a while. Um it's an awesome time to sh- be with you again and share the gospel of our Lord. A lot has happened in the last six weeks. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> hey? I know a lot of people had money before Christmas, now everyone's broke. Everyone got presents for their kids, and they returned them the next day. I returned all my presents. I gave them to other people. I forgot that the people I gave them to were the ones they gave them to me, so I forgot. <laughs> I'm joking. I didn't buy anyone in prison. Today I want to talk to you. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. If you're old here, welcome. And if you fell over and yet someone brought you in here, welcome. Um, you can catch us on that. There's a barcode. There's, we're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Everything that I'm not on, but um, honestly, uh, I've got this message in my heart from about three weeks ago, so I better just blurt it out. Is that is that me? No, get it right then. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> Everyone give a round of applause to the worship, to the technicians? Yeah, it's a lot of work goes in behind the scenes, man. We honour you, we bless you, we thank you for what you do. We couldn't do what we do if someone doesn't show up and put chairs out. Um, for those who, I know we weren't together at the time, but I pray that everyone saw the uh, handover of the house in Brazil. Um, it was hard, but thanks AJ, man, he hooked that Zoom up and they got us there and we were live stream. I think they had better service than us in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but um, they handed over their keys to the lady in the house and they're in the house, praise God. And, and they what they did, they blocked the whole street off and, had an event in the street and they brought food and clothes and, and they preached the gospel. They helped people out. This was a real poor area. So they made a big event of it. So praise God that, you know, we, not only did we, and I'd like to thank you all again for contributing to the house. Not only did they um, get a house to live in, the whole street and neighborhood got blessed. And I saw the love and kindness of Jesus in that street. The little kids got toys and that. So they did an amazing job there. So I want to thank salt of the earth. And also thank you guys for your contributions, amen. The gospel's being preached around the world, amen. And what they showed us too, if you, I don't know if you picked that up, the old shack that they used to live in, they actually kept it. So someone that's got nothing can move into it. Although we wanted them out of there, but someone's got less than what they had. I mean, we went through parts of Brazil where we went past there, but a lot of the times they minister in places where they just grab their kids and say, can you take them because I can't feed them give their kids away just to get a better life. So, if you're complaining about your life in Australia, stop complaining. Amen? Because no one listens. I said to Justin, how are you going? Because I'm oh, not bad. Mate, it doesn't matter what you, you're going good or not. No one listens if you're going bad. or not. So It doesn't matter. No, I do listen, I promise. All right? I've blocked his number now. So, I want to talk to you today about trusting the authority of Scripture. Amen? Amen? So, this is not a... a, a, a Uh, A lesson on how to do apologetics, or I'm not going to go down that road because I'm assuming everyone's a believer here. A couple of guys in the back, but I'm joking. I'm stirring them. By the way, I've got a present. Thank you for the present. It says, be careful or you'll be in my next sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Weeby, Josh. There was a man in the 1900s by the name of Booker T. Washington. He was an African-American man, who was born in the late 1800s, grew up in the time of segregation between blacks and whites, and he became a, a businessman and an entrepreneur and an educator, and he did some amazing things in that time of segregation. He, he um, built up a reputation and helped a lot of the black community and started business, and even started a, a, a university in Alabama, which is still there till today. And he ended up being an advisor to a lot of the presidents in America, back in those days. But he made this statement, which I really liked, that I, when I read it, I went, wow, I like this. And I'd seen that, I don't know a lot about this guy, but I, I did see documentaries about uh, entrepreneurs in those days, in the, in the days of the slaves, where they actually made it and become millionaires and they impacted their community and he was one of them. But look what he says. He said, a lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, evil does not become good just because it's accepted by the majority. Isaiah five twenty says it this way: Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil; who put darkness for light, light for darkness; who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. God speaks through him. This is the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. We know we are all familiar with Isaiah fifty three. Speaks about a prophetic word about someone coming, dying, being sacrificed and rising again. We know that Isaiah 53 speaks about Jesus. Amen. But Isaiah lived, was it 600 years before Christ? Yeah. That's 600, 700 years before Christ. And here he says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. What's happening today, people? Things that were just common to man. Like a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And that was just pure, you didn't have the science degree to know that. Now it's debatable. And I don't want to get political because my wife's looking at me, so I might stand over this way. <laughs> I'm not talking about Trump at all, mum. <laughs> but Isaiah back then said, woe to those. And if you read it in context. And today you think, well, what's this got to do with Scripture? If the Bible as a believer, now I'm going to talk from a perspective, perspective of Christians. If we claim to believe in Jesus, that he's our Lord and Saviour, I'm going to speak from that perspective. Because it astounds me when I sit with Christians and you speak to them and finally after you you go for it, come and to and fro and talk and things happen in life, they'll come and say, well, how do we know the Bible's true? Or they say, do you believe everything the Bible says? Or they say things like, you can't live your life off a book written 2,000 years ago. I hear that all the time. So tonight I'm going to share what the words of Jesus said. So I'm talking from a Christian perspective. If we, you can shake, take that off. If we don't understand the authority of Scripture and we don't stand on the word as its truth. Now, let me clarify something. Someone said to you, you was trying to catch me out. Do you believe the Bible's true? I said, yes. Everything in the Bible's true? I said, yes. Everything? I said, yes. I know where he was going with this. So I just answered what, he, what he, he thought he had me. Aha! I go, what? She says, the Bible says, pluck your eye out. Do you pluck your eye out? I said, <laughs> Jeez, I was going to say something, but she's here. The Bible says, uh, <laughs> cut your arm off. Do you cut your arm off? If you sin, if your arm causes you sin, cut it out. If your eye causes a sin, pluck it out. It's better to enter heaven with no eye <laughs> and no arm and enter heaven than go to hell. Now, who knows that? An, you don't have to be a scholar to know that my body is not going to go to heaven or hell. My physical body's not getting there, amen? So what is Jesus trying to say? He's speaking of an allegory. So he tried to get me on that. I said, no. We know, according to scripture, it's unlawful to break, to, 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 to cut yourself and, and bring blood. Because in the pagan traditions, they used to do that. They used to cut themselves. Who remembers the fight between Elijah and the, uh, the priests of Jezebel? Yeah? Sorry if you're related to her or anything. She's actually from Lebanon, so that figures. The <laughs> cousins, I think I've got a few of them at home. But we won't go there. But they used to, Elijah said, all right, I'm going to put a sacrifice. There was 800 of them. There was only one of Elijah. Let's have a fight. And he goes, all right, call on your God first. And if he shows up, let's we'll see who's the greatest God. And they called on their God and they put sacrifices. They did things and he's saying to them, louder, maybe he's asleep. Elijah, stirring them. Louder, uh, or maybe he's in the toilet, call him, he come out. He was mocking him. So they got really serious, they started praying louder and chanting louder. Then they started cutting themselves. They thought that would produce and invoke their God. So cutting yourself is not biblical. It's against the law. So you look at it in context. So the Bible does have allegory, it has poetry, it has history, it has parables, and it has um, quotes direct quotes so we know when we say the bible i believe everything in the bible i believe every word in the bible but i have to read it from a context and application point of view if you know what i mean some things are parables some things are allegories some things are poetry and as you start to study the bible you start to learn that we look at it from a point of view that if the word of god is not true or, or if the word of God does not apply to me today, I live in 2024, man. What's a donkey, a guy running on the donkey, gonna do for me? And I said to a brother once, he said to me, Well, how does that relate to me in 2024? It's pretty simple. Do you have a wife? Yeah. Do you have children? Yeah. Do you have issues? Yeah. Do you have problems? Yeah. Well, 2000 years ago, they had a wife. They had children. They had issues. They had problems. And we can go through the whole Bible and it could relate to you today. Why? Because the Word of God is foundational. The Word of God is, everyone's looking for truth, amen? Jesus made a blank statement. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. That's not me, that's Jesus. He drew a line in the sand, and he said, this is it. It's interesting to know that when the worst thing about knowing what the scripture says and does. Because I heard this great statement. I tried to read the Bible, but I found out the Bible read me. Because when you read the Bible, the Bible says it's living and breathing. When I read the Bible, the Bible read me. The Bible is like a mirror to my soul. Now, I can ignore what I see in the mirror. Or I can ignore, what an, or I get an x-ray. A doctor sends me for an x-ray. He says, you've got a chip bone in your shoulder. And I say, I'll ignore that. I can ignore it till the cows come home, but it's true. The x-ray wasn't the problem. I've got a problem. That's what the Bible does. I know in my life, my morality, what I know, comes from the Scripture. That doesn't mean that if I don't know the Bible, I can't be a moral person. Because you can be. People, some people that are not Christians live better life than Christians. Come on. But... The the essence of the scripture is to know that if I have a phone, it's a Samsung, and I go take it to Nokia to fix, what do they say to me? Go to Samsung, they made it, we don't know the ins and outs of a Nokia. Some people don't know what a Nokia is, but I'm just trying to use an example. Or an iPhone. The one that made the phone is an expert of that phone, he knows what that phone needs, true? So what I can do is, if I've got some issues in my life, I want to know, I want to protect my children. I know there's more out there than just us. I know there's a spiritual uh, fight going on. I know that I have a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. And that all came from Scripture, to know what's right and wrong. Because if the majority rules, hear me out, people say, well, the majority rules about what's right and wrong, then Hitler was okay. Because everyone agreed with him to kill people and put them in gas chambers. Majority said, that's okay. Okay. So the majority doesn't rule, amen? God's word is true. And he says it's evil to kill someone, murder someone. It's evil. It's not right. You can get people under a demonic attack in the, in the time of uh, Washington, Book of Washington. The people that owned slaves and had slaves working for them were Christians and the slaves were Christians and they both assumingly read the same book yet one thought it was okay to, to enslave a brother because of his colour of his skin and one thought, no that's not right I'm, I'm made in God's image but just because, if you have a look at the, um, the early Christians, and the, they used to sing songs, the black, the black slaves used to sing songs they never judged God by their oppressor because in the natural you would you say, man if you're a Christian I don't want to be that you got me in chains, you got my family in chains. But they never allowed the other Christian to determine their faith, amen? They determined the word of God to be true. And every man be a liar. Come on somebody. We're to get serious. Right now in the church, that's the scripture I was trying to remember. The Bible talks about before the Antichrist gets revealed, there'll be a falling away. Everyone's looking at this organization or that organization or what's happening in churches, what's happening in schools, what's happening in university, what's happening in parliament. What's ha- We're looking at that, but we need to look at the church in general. What does the Bible say? The Bible says before the great, fall, the great beast of the Antichrist, there's got to be a falling away, an apostasy in the church. And it was in the church, not a church denomination. So stop judging every church right now in your mind. Yeah, I know who that is. That's them, that's them, that's them, that's them, that's them. That's them. <laughs> The body of Christ in general, whoever calls the name of the Lord in any type. The question is, I'm not interested in a church organization falling. What about you and me? What about my heart? He says, before the great tribulation, there's got to be a, and the revealing of the lawless one, there's got to be a apostasy or a falling away in the church. Meaning, the church will fall away from the truth of the gospel. Let me say it again. If anyone comes to you, Paul said, preaching a different gospel, even if an angel from heaven, he didn't say from hell, he said, an angel from heaven comes down and preaches a gospel different than what we have given you, let him be cursed. He goes, even if I or someone else, one of us, preaches a gospel different than what you have heard, let him be cursed. Because the gospel is the way to salvation, amen. Amen. Jesus Christ died on the cross. You hear this modern day teaching. I'm not going to go there because I'm going to get sidetracked. Let me say it this way. Any leader, pastor, priest, teacher that claims to be a Christian and reads the Bible and uses any type of language that weakens or reduces the authority or the accuracy of Scripture, this leaves the people to search out a truth somewhere else. If everything I say to you today and I don't stand on it. And I give you a leeway. Well, that's not really what the Bible says because he spoke to people 2,000 years ago. Or, yeah, no, we need to not murder or kill, but you know, you don't have to do this. Guess what I do? I open the door for you to find truth because you need to find truth. Everyone's searching for a truth, amen. Everyone. Everyone is looking to put their faith in something. You need more faith to be an atheist, that you believe there's no God. <laughs> but you still need faith, you still have a faith. Anything that dilutes the scripture. Now, is there stuff in the Bible I don't understand? Absolutely. Is there stuff in the Bible that it's hard to believe? 100%. Is there stuff in the Bible that doesn't make sense? Absolutely. But I never don't trust in my understanding. I trust in the word of God, amen. I can, anyone can twist the scripture and make it sound evil. There's a great pastor that I listened to many years ago. He had a great revelation on the love of God. The love of God. He did did little uh, analogies about the love of God. Great. What he didn't know is the fear of the Lord. And he went from the love of God, he loves you no matter what you do, he can forgive you, repent, to there's no hell Because the loving God can't send you to hell. And then he went from one side to the other and started sending people to hell. Why? He fell away from truth. So, we're going to be careful as believers. It's all right to ask a question what does that really mean? You know, that seems a bit judgmental. That's fine. But the final authority is Scripture, not man. A certain denomination just came out and is blessing certain lifestyles that we should. You cannot bless what God curses. And I can't curse what God blesses. So we need to be very careful in these last days and as believers that we believe in His Word because the, the problem is this. If God's Word is not reliable, if I'm standing here and I'm being wishy-washy about what I believe, I give you a door out, what are you searching for truth? Now don't misunderstand me. There's some people here, prayed one prayer never got an answer and they walked out never came back. It doesn't work. Well, that's not God. That's not me. That's you. But if God's Word is not reliable, for now, and for all people, then we fall, we fall in the same trap as Adam and Eve. We fall in the trap of, did really God say that? Does the Bible really say that? The biggest issue today is mental illness. Depression, anxiety is massive, massive, massive. We used to think in Revelation, it talks about in the last days, People will be on, you know, uh, there's a spirit that hits the earth. And the word is pharmaceutical. The word we get is pharmaceutical in the Greek, which means pharmaceutical. And we automatically go, that's talking about drugs. So we talk about cocaine and ecstasy and LSD and heroin and marijuana. But if you, you look at it deeper, most people are on certain types of antidepressants and different types of medication for diabetes. The world's sick. And he's saying in the last days, everyone will be on some type of medication. Because it's a spirit. And here it's saying that, well, what does that, what's the word, the, words, the word of the Lord says that by his stripes you are healed. But we believe the doctrine and the word of God. Healing is not for today. Then be sick. And I often have, I, someone said to me, did someone turn the AC off? That's an aboma nation. Is anyone cold here? Say no. If the Word of God, now I'm not condemning anyone who's on any type of medication, don't misunderstand me. But is that God's best for your life? Come on, is that God's best for your life? Come on, it's not God's best for your life. So when I live a certain way, because this is what I believe, or this is what I believe, what's the Word say? No, I don't believe in that Word. Oh, this is how I want to live. Then you eat the consequences of your lifestyle. It's not God's fault. See, the battle has always been between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And it began like this. Did God really say? Did God really say? You see, I'm afraid that many won't hold on to the truth. They'll believe doctrines of demons. See, from that day in the garden, did God really say that? That the word of God has been attacked, been distorted, it been suppressed. And it doesn't just come from outside, it comes from within the church. Those outside claim the scripture is not the word of God, but those inside handle the word not right. They defile it, they abuse it, and then they go by personal experience, not by what he says. Because someone said to me once, we can't have what the Lord wants us to have. The, The disciples, when Jesus ordained them as apostles, he left. Who's heard this statement? The church, God gave us the church before the Bible. There was a thing going around recently, God gave us the church before the Bible. And I would argue that that's not true. If the church is not based on the Bible, then you don't have a church. Now, did the early church have the New Testament? No. When Peter went and preached and John went and preached in the early after Jesus, after Pentecost and and Paul came along, they didn't have a book of Romans and a book of Ephesians and a book of this and a book of that. They didn't have any of that. They had the Holy Spirit. True. But they didn't need a word, did they? You would think that they didn't need a word. But I want to show you something. It's very interesting. In Acts chapter 17, verse 10, I want to show you something. Because when we talk about the Bible, we need to get out of the thinking of New and Old Testament. The Bible is the Word of God, the Scripture. Jesus never looked at the Old Testament as the Old Testament. He looked at it as God's Word. Imagine if Jesus said, I can't use the Old, Old Testament. Then everything he said against the devil in the de- desert was from the Old Testament. Turn these stones into bread, Deuteronomy. Jump off the Temple Mount and he says, Deuteronomy, he quoted. Worship me, or I'll give you all the kingdoms. Deuteronomy. See, Jesus came to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. But the Old Testament scripture is just as valid today as the New Testament scripture. I want to show you something here. Acts chapter... Now, I'm talking to believers now. So I need you to leave here today knowing that you have confidence in the Word of God. That doesn't mean you're going to understand it all. But you're going to understand that the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And he's going to strengthen you. He's going to teach you. And He's going to guide you into all new things. Amen? Because there's two, there's two kingdoms going on here kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We want to be in the kingdom of light, amen? We want to walk in the light as he is in the light. This is Paul preaching the gospel in, um, with Paul and Silas preaching in, in the book of Acts. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived there, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more, more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. <laughs> And in that day, they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Stop. Paul's preaching in his day in a synagogue in the, in the Bereans area, in the Bereans city. And it says here, they were fair-minded. So they were Jews and they were fair-minded. So they said, okay, let's, let's hear what you've got to say. Other Jews would not listen to a word they're saying. And it says here that they received the word with readiness or gladness and they searched what? What scripture? There was no New Testament. If I had a mic, I'd drop it. (laughs) If I drop this, it will (laughs) break. They searched the scriptures daily to find out, daily, to find out whether these things were so. Next verse. Therefore many of them believed and also not a few of the the Greeks prominent women as well as men. They searched the scripture daily. Everything Paul said, I'm going to go check this out. Paul here. What did they check out? There was no New Testament. They'll check in the Old Testament. Did it rely on what he's saying? Because Paul, I don't know what he said to him, but he would have said Jesus Christ and him crucified. We know that much. We said Jesus was the Lamb of God takes away. We know that much. We know what Paul taught. And they would have went through the scriptures through Deuteronomy, through you know, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. Man, this guy's fair you know Joel, the Holy Spirit fell on. He went through. He goes, you know what? We believe. Hallelujah. They'd have used New Testament. They would have used Old Testament scripture. Is the scripture still valid? Absolutely. To have this lie that because the disciples had a special power and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they went out preaching and when they all died, they tell you everything died with them. The gifts of the Spirit died with them. Healing died with them. Revelation died with them. Um, apostolic anointing died with him. Uh, all of these things died with them. But I want to ask you a question. Jesus comes. And it's been between the time of Adam to the time of Jesus, it was 4,000 years. No one knows, so I'm right. So, for 4,000 years, God spoke to Noah, made a covenant with Noah. Then spoke to Abraham, made a covenant with Abraham. Then spoke to Moses, made a covenant of Moses. Then spoke to David. And all along the way, he's pointing to a Messiah coming one day to redeem him. Everyone pointed to a Messiah coming. And he finally comes. And he comes with the gifts of the Spirit and the revelation of the Word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and freedom from slavery and freedom from sickness and, 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 and the gifts of the Spirit and, and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues and all that. And then when they died after 80 years or so, he took the gifts home with him. Do you believe that? Then why bring him in the first place? If I'm a CEO of a company... And I tell my board of directors, is that how it works? Anyway, I'm the boss. And I tell the people in my company, this is what I want. This is the mission statement. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the good news. The first thing we've got to do is tell people the good news. And some people open their mouth and don't, there's not much good news coming out of your mouths. The good news, the gospel means good news. We're all sitting here because of the good news, amen, hallelujah. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He's anointed me, which means He's been baptised in the anointing of power to what? Preach the gospel, the good news, to bring sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, probably got all back to the front. Read the scripture. Read the scripture. <laughs> to heal the sick, raise the dead, and the to declare the favourable year of the Lord. That's in Isaiah as well, believe it or not. Now he comes, that's the mission statement. And he declares it to his disciples. So he's the boss, he tells it to his, to his board of directors, and they go, and, and go in and they start doing what he wants them to do. But then all of a sudden, they change the rules because it doesn't fit into our model anymore. Or our church doesn't believe in that because someone had a revelation. Or, you know what, that's offending everyone over here, so let's not go down that road. Or, you know, we don't believe in that anymore because I did pray once for healing. I never got healed, so healing doesn't work. And we start basing the Scripture on our personal experience than then the truth of the authority of the Word. I've never seen it. It must not happen. I've never seen you have a brain, but you obviously got one. The evidence is there. <laughs> what I'm trying to get to you today is that don't let the world, the voice of the world and the voice of the enemy and the voice of your past and the voice of your future and the voice of your wife and I'll start the voice of your husband, all right, I level it out every time, tell you that this is not true. Because everyone is searching for peace and you cannot get it unless you have the Prince of Peace. It's interesting that the Bereans searched the scripture day and night what did they search? So the Bible says that the, the, the disciples taught so what did they teach I want to quickly try and get this as quick as what did they teach if they had no New Testament? because the Bible says in Acts 2:40 can we go there? it says and with many other words they testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. To them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship. So apostles, they, put, they taught the apostles' doctrine. They had fellowship, like what we're doing now. And breaking of bread, which we just did earlier, and in prayers. The question I have is, what's the Apostles' Doctrine? If they didn't have a New Testament and they only had the Holy Spirit, okay, what did they teach? Everyone interested? Because let's see if the New Testament agrees with what Jesus taught and let's see if the Old Testament points to Jesus. have a look matthew chapter 28 verse 18 anyone ever wonder what the apostle doctrine is we're all going to say the gospel but to say that they had a special revelation no jesus taught them he says go and teach them what i have taught you yes when they went and preached yes the holy spirit amplified what jesus said yes they got revelation of what jesus said yes they had things that Jesus taught them that they did not understand, but later they understood it. Because the Bible says, He'll bring to your remembrance what I've taught you. You can't bear it now, but later the Holy Spirit will teach you. Amen? See, let me stay no one can add to the Scripture today. No one's going to come with a new revelation that comes from heaven. Be very careful if someone shares a revelation outside the Scripture. I can get a revelation of something I've never heard before, but I can't get an add to the scripture. No one's gonna get something from God that's never been on this earth before. If you hear that, run. When someone says, No, God doesn't do that, let's ordain this and let's baptize that and let's run for your life, man. It's a curse. I'm telling you now, no matter who it is. Here in 28 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who has all authority? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Stop right there. What did he say to do? We know the gospel is, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. Their job was to go and teach and make disciples everything Jesus taught them. Are you with me? You look like he's asleep. And then he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's look at this closely. The apostles' doctrine was to teach what Jesus taught them. There's a teaching going around the church at the moment. Sorry to tell you to knock you off your perch. Some of your favorite preachers are lying to you. What Jesus taught before the cross is applicable to us after the cross. Just because Jesus says something before the cross and now we come under a new covenant, it doesn't wipe away what Jesus taught before the cross. You might say, well, I don't believe that. Yes, you do. People believe in things like, oh, Jesus said, the, um, for example, for example, for example, for example, for example. For example When Jesus taught, people say that he taught things as a Jew. So he was a man under the law and he taught from a Jewish perspective. But now Paul has a greater revelation than Jesus because he teaches on grace. Who's heard that? Okay. The words of Jesus are valid today. Paul, Peter, James, jude never contradicted jesus i heard a preacher say once the beatitude is a legalistic teaching that we don't come under because we're under grace from a very prominent preacher the beatitude is a legalistic self-righteous teaching it doesn't apply to us it applies to the jews Uh -uh. do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars Because if you say that what Jesus taught before, remember that one that says, if you don't forgive, my heavenly father won't forgive you? That's a very common one. Well, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, my heavenly father won't forgive you. But then we get saved, and then we say, We've been forgiven, which is true. We're washed with the blood of Jesus, which is true, and now I have offense against my brother. I don't have to forgive him because Jesus already forgave me, so that means he'll forgive me. Uh-uh. Wrong answer. You are forgiven. Think of it this way. Why does he expect you to forgive? Because you've been forgiven. He who has received much, loves much. Remember the woman that's washing his feet with her tears and her hair? And the Pharisees looked at him and even the disciples said, whoa. Because under that culture, a woman shouldn't go up to a man, especially a rabbi, especially this woman, this unclean woman. He says, if he was really from God, he would know what manner of woman she is. Jesus looked at him and says, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. You know what? You have tasted of the heavenly good. You have been forgiven. You have been set free. How not set someone else free? You sit now with your grumpy, offended, miserable, sour face, sucking on lemons, walking around like a... And don't understand that Jesus set you free. You mustn't be free. That's why you can't forgive. You know what he was saying that he can't forgive you? It doesn't say it won't forgive you. He just can't. You know why? Because the unforgiveness you're holding is blocking his forgiveness. i got to set him free. They say that you don't have to do that. Some people say you don't have to repent. Once you've repented once, no need for more repentance. Let me ask you a question. Yes, if I'm just saying, Lord, I repent, every time I do something wrong, I repent, I just say it because it's like saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry is not repentance. So if I treat repentance like that, then yes, I agree that you don't have to do that because you're not achieving anything. But true repentance is the change in my mind. I have changed my mind. I can't keep going back to... The Bible says a dog doesn't even go back to his vomit, and we do. We need to hate the sin. So we don't go back to that sin. If I struggle in an area, God will walk through your struggles. Just keep confessing it, but don't justify it. The minute you confess it, God helps you. The minute you justify it, the devil empowers it. The more you make an excuse, that's what my Bible says, boys. That's what my Bible says. So everything before the cross is for us today. Now, someone said to me, well, then that means why don't you keep the Sabbath, Tony? Because I don't want to tell you a story about that. I was young in the Lord. It was probably 21 years, going back to the monastery. Years, and that was before. I couldn't add up if I'd saved my life. It's Probably about two or three years into my walk and we we're running a little Bible study. Um, Janet's cousin and in Parramatta. And someone was there and he was telling a story how he went to a, a church, a seven day Adventist church and, and they preached Jesus but they keep the Sabbath so they meet on a Saturday uh, they don't eat certain foods they don't mix certain foods like cheese and meat they don't eat them together they, um, they don't eat ham obviously so they keep a certain part of the law the Jewish law and some of them are so strict that women can't wear makeup and there's all these rules anyway he was sharing this with us and this and that and all of a sudden something hit me and I I was telling my wife about this today Something hit me back then. Because I'm about to share in a Bible study. Look, I said, I was young in the Lord, and it's just like condemnation hit me, or anything I can describe it was like I was confused. Because he quoted the scripture in John 14. Can you can you put it up, John 14, 15? Sorry, guys. But just the first bit. And he quoted this if you love me, keep my commandments. And the minute I, I, I read that and heard him say that and saw that and I've read that scripture before, my mind went automatically to the Ten Commandments. See, so if you really love me, you keep my commandments. Now, does God want us to break the Ten Commandments? No. Can we keep them? No. So I knew enough to know that, but something hit me. Like, it was like that fear hit me that I don't keep the Sabbath. I don't do this. And that's what the scripture says. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments. I'm in error. Fear hit me, but i was supposed to preach in two minutes. So I went, They was having teas and coffees, it was only like a small Bible study. I went, got my Bible, I sat down, and I opened up John 14, and I read that. And and, and I'm just contemplating this in my head. Lord, am I in error? I started this million things going through my head. I heard the Holy Spirit speak as loud as I'm hearing you guys breathe and snore. And I heard him say, keep reading. Okay. I didn't say, okay, but I wasn't going to argue. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. My mind went to the law. But look what the next verse says. And I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you what? That he may abide in you forever. Next verse. The Spirit of whom the world cannot see, because it neither sees him, or knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and he will be in you. And all of a sudden I read that that he would if I obey his commandments, I'm thinking law, I'm thinking of works, I'm thinking of all these things I, I don't do. And all of a sudden he says, But then the Holy Spirit to me and goes, How did you receive the Holy Spirit, Tony? Just like that, I'm talking to you. This so was the first encounter I had, and I went by faith. And I see I received the Holy Spirit, so I didn't keep and I started thinking, I never kept the Sabbath. I I never kept a law. I I never didn't have uh, cheese and meat. I didn't didn't keep no laws. I wasn't that good. I didn't give money to the poor. I believed in the finished work of the cross and he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And something just lifted off me and I realized I was free. Amen. You see, my perception at that moment, and I believe it's spiritual because it just overwhelmed me, it says that if you love me, obey my commandments. But what did Jesus leave the disciples? These commandments, I leave you. Love one another, love God, and love one another as I have loved you. That's the commandment. That fulfills the whole law. And I said, Lord, how can that fulfill the whole law? Because I'm still not allowed to murder. I'd like to sometimes. This week, I know, the run three people over on the road. It was just a conspiracy against me. I repented straight away <laughs> to the next corner. <laughs> love, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. That fulfils the whole law. Look at this. The Ten Commandments were given to us, yeah? On two tablets. So we just assume there was five and five because God ran out of room and he couldn't put ten on one or but the law was broken up into two commandments. They're ten, but they're in two types. There was four and six. So let's do some um, homework here. So I want to work the room. No, I'm not going to work. What time is it, everyone? Ah, oh, still got time. He says, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, first commandment. Who knows it? Nobody. You must love the Lord your God. Have all your mind, all your soul. All right. What's the, what's the second commandment? Exodus 20, please. Please, save me. Joe's Joey's, Joey's saying 40-20 rules and don't pack the, pack the scrum on the halfway. I don't know why he was telling me, this guy. Here. I don't know what he was saying. I want to show you something. It's very interesting. Exodus 20, I think, AJ. Sorry, guys, I have never gave them this. I have no other gods before me, yeah? Do not make any engraven images on heaven above, on earth below. Believe the sea, do not bow down to them, do not worship them am the Lord your God. All right. Is that the first one? You shall not have no other gods before me. Next one. You shall not make yourself any carved images in the likeness of anything in the heaven above, on the earth, on the earth, to see shall not bow down, for I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Next one. You shall not make the Lord's name, take the Lord's name in vain. That's three, yeah? Next one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Four. The day of rest. Those four, so far, have to do with God. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. True. So, commandment number one deals with the first four. The commandment number two deals with this. Go. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's the next one? Yeah, I know. What it's, it's going through the whole law. All right, keep going. It's a long one, eh? Keep going. All right. So commandment number five, honor your mother and father. Today they teach you to dishonor your mother and father. They teach you that you don't have to listen to your mother and father. Today they teach you if you want to have this and that, you don't need to tell your parents and we'll teach you in drag about what we want to teach you. The Bible is not good to put in schools because you're pushing your agenda on someone, but you can put a person in a drag and a dress and teach your kids to pervert them. Okay, that's, that's loving your neighbour. Your father and mother is your neighbour. Next one. You should not murder. Does that have to do with someone? Yeah. I hope so. Next one. Does that have to do with someone? Yeah. That's three. Does that have to do with someone? Yeah. Don't steal off your... Next one. Do not bear with you. Don't talk about your neighbour and slander him and make false accusation against him. Next one. Don't cover your neighbor's house, wife, donkey, car, iPhone. Is there any more? That's it. First four have to do with God. Love God with all your heart and love you with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the next six have to do with your neighbor. And when Jesus stood there, he says, before the cross, everyone, Love God and love your neighbor and you've fulfilled the whole law. Does that make sense? Old Testament. But we're not under the law in the sense that we cannot obtain righteousness through the law. If you're going to come to God and say, God, I haven't done what he's done. And okay, okay, I'll just get my law out. Have you done this, 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 this? Yeah, you're guilty of all of them. So I'm not coming to God with my own righteousness based on the Ten Commandments. The Bible says, because of my flesh, the law was no avail. The law brought a curse. Why? It just aroused sin in my life. The law is holy, people, but I can't keep it unto righteousness. I can't go to God one day and say, well, I haven't murdered. Okay, have you stolen? Uh, Have you lied? Uh, Have you looked at it? We've broken them all, people. But in Christ Jesus, when he went to the cross, he fulfilled it. He was the only one that could keep them. And he died in a punishment for you and me that we can rise with him. He changes my nature into his nature. Now no longer under law, I'm under his grace. Does that mean I can do what I want? No. It means now I have the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, don't sin because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm going to give you my word to help you. So we have no excuses. Because the Holy Spirit is with us. He guides us into what? All truth. Hallelujah. He says, if you really love me, obey my commandments. When you understand it like that, Psalm 12, 6 says this. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace on earth, purified seven times. He's saying that the word of the Lord has been tested. When you purify silver and gold, you put it in a furnace. They put it in seven times to burn all the the, uh, impurities and that out of it. And they all come to the top. So the, the silver and the gold is perfect. And the Lord says his word has been tried seven times. Jesus is what? Word of God that became flesh. Seven is Jesus' number. It talks about completion. It talks about a finished work. Man, God created man on the sixth day and he said he rested on the seventh. Listen to me. Man was created on the sixth day. So man's first day on earth was a day of rest. We should be in rest because Jesus has done the finished work at the cross. The true word is Jesus, purified seven times. He bled seven times on the, on the altar. The Old Testament, the lamb would be killed and the priest would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant seven times. Jesus bled seven times. When he was, his beard was ripped, he would have thorns on his head. He was, um, He. Uh, yeah, sorry, he bled in the garden. Sorry. Thank you. He bled teed, uh, d- drops of blood in the garden. That's not a miracle. That's just someone under a high extreme stress busted blood vessels in his face and he bled because he knew what was coming. That's one. Then they ripped his beard off his face. Two. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Three. Then they nailed him in the hand. Four, They nailed him in the feet. Five. It was whipped. Six. And the seventh time he bled was when they put the spear through him and he shed his blood. He fulfilled the exact law that the priest did in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled it. There is nothing that Jesus did not fulfill when he went to the cross. Nothing. I can see here for two days telling you about how they had to do the sacrifice in the Old Testament. And I can show you Jesus fulfilled every single one of them to the letter because remember he says not one dot or one tittle can be removed of the law one dot meaning one a comma or apostrophe or full stop he's saying I'm not changing the law but I'm going to fulfill it to the letter otherwise he couldn't have been the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and the word that became flesh and dwell among us Jesus has fulfilled it all he gave us his word I could go all day about this but I was going to wind up In 1 John 5, 6, 7, I don't think, did I send you that one? Beautiful. I'm trying to encourage you today. If you hear anything, because the Bible says your spirit bears witness with his spirit that we are children of God. Unless a man is born from above, born of God's spirit, born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. You'll never understand the King of God. And unless you're born of His Spirit, you can never enter it. Because you have a veil on your eyes. But Christ, is He not to hurt you? He's here to love you. He's here to heal you. He's here to deliver you. He's here to set you free. That's what the Word of God does. See, I used to think the Bible was a, a, a book of laws of do's and don'ts. Can't do this, can't do that. Oh, God's a party pooper. Until I read it, I've never been happier ever in my life. They know that I'm set free, forgiven, and I have the ability to walk in His kingdom. Come on, somebody. You're not slaves anymore to sin. You're a slave to righteousness now. You're no longer called a slave. You're called sons and daughters. We need to understand that the authority of the Scripture, it says what it means, and it means what it says. Amen? Forget what anyone else says. Because they're going to start... The Bible warned us that in the last days they will change the laws. Isaiah said it before Jesus that they'll call evil good... And good, evil. There's going to be a falling away, and many will never hold on to the truth, and they'll accept doctrines of demons. I said to a brother once, he was arguing about the Bible. He believed he didn't believe. One minute he believed, next minute he didn't believe. One minute. Because every time we got into it, he goes, Oh, well, how do you know that's true? But I believe that Jesus is good, but how do you know that's true? I think, Bro, what are we arguing for? Three hours to argue about, you don't even believe. I said, can I ask you a simple question and I'll leave it at this. He goes, yeah. He goes, if there's a 50% chance I'm right and you're wrong, are you willing to take that risk and go to hell for eternity? I thought that was me. Is there a 20% chance that if I'm right and you're wrong, would you, would you risk that? I said to him, if there's a 5% chance I'm right, would you accept it? He goes, yeah. He goes, come. This PowerPoint. I don't know if it's been wired up properly. There's 5% chance you'll get zapped. And there's 95% you won't get zapped. Touch it. There's no way. You won't touch a PowerPoint knowing that you might get zapped. And are you willing to risk your eternity for your life, you and your generations, to go to hell? And you're willing to take a chance? Because you're not even giving the Bible a chance. You're not giving Jesus a chance. Look at what this says in 1 John. He who had, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because of the Spirit is truth. Therefore, for there are three that bear witness in the heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. They bear witness. Another translation says that they're in agreement. See, when I found the Lord, there was no one that could change my mind, not because I knew what I know today, because he, I bear witness of His Spirit that I'm a child. I no longer had to carry the burden and the fear of not having enough. Do I have enough to provide? Or have a am I going to be a good dad am i am going to be a good husband am I going to be a good uh, like? Uh, I, I thought I was a good bloke And <laughs> then God used to empower you and change you and, and then you read his word and it just it, it reads you and it empowers you to protect I thank God for his grace amen, amen. have I done it perfect far 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 from it but if I'm, am I on the road to it absolutely that the spirit bears witness what does that mean If you haven't worked it out yet, you're a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. I love how people come up to me, oh, you believe this Jesus stuff or this Holy Spirit stuff. But they'll tell you about all this demonic stuff that's going on. Or about this clanvoyant that had this thing. Or about these spiritual things they're having at night. Or about this thing that they watched. and they started feeling things in their house. But they deny the Holy Ghost and they believe in the ugly ghost. They believe in Caspar the friendly ghost. But they don't believe in the Holy Ghost. You have to sit five minutes to someone to realize, man, I had this encounter. Oh, it happens all the time. I don't believe in this. Then 10 minutes later, man, you know, I used to have this encounter at night. And my grandmother used to do this. and My grandfather used to do that. I go, yeah, bro, it's true. It's real. What do I do? Find Jesus. Because he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. Here on earth, in heaven and in. People in hell are bowing down saying Jesus is Lord, but it's too late. So I'm going to encourage you today, closing with this. The Word of God is the final authority. And it's okay if you don't understand everything. Because I don't understand everything. But listen, understand who Jesus is. And He reveals all things. Because ultimately the Bible and its authority is set. Nothing has stood the test of time as this scripture. Nothing. There's a guy in in Russia forget his name he built a whole office complex it was communism to shut down and to get rid of God in, in every form in, in Russia and he said from the balcony of that this is the place where we end the Bible forever that place is a Bible college now <laughs> you don't mock God you cannot mock God I'm not going to talk about prophecies how many things that were said in the Old Testament, 700, 800, 1,500, 3,000 years before, that Jesus has fulfilled to the letter. The Word is God is reliable, people. And I'm encouraging you today, don't listen to any other voice but the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's okay if you don't know something. But listen, there's voices coming. They're going to pervert the Word of God. And if you know what most people change the Word for? To suit their lifestyle. No, no, no. God doesn't fit into our world. We fit into his. Amen. But you know, he's all for you and he's not against you. Amen. What seems to be hard today? Things that I wanted to give up. Oh, that was hard, Lord. Today I look back. I don't know why I was hanging on to that. Don't don't, don't look where you are today. See, old things have passed away. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you've come from. Hey, I don't need to live in that place. I don't need to live in my trauma. I don't live in that. I live in the newness of life. Why? I am going where he is. Where he is, you will also be. I don't need to live in the old days. I don't need to live in the past. I need to live in the newness of life. That's what the word says. But when you start to say this word is the roadmap to my life, I often say, people say, well, yes, the roadmap to my life. It's true. I say it's the heartbeat of Jesus. The words on the page do not change you. It's the heart. See, if God doesn't breathe into it, <laughs> final scripture. I forgot this one, but it's very important. 2 Timothy, the one I gave you last, AJ. I want to confirm this. I want to seal this today. So going forward, 2024, there is no obstacle. The Word is your substance. You're going to go to that Bible. You're going to read that Bible. You're going to consume that Bible. You're going to eat everything in that Bible. Why? Because it's the source of life for your life. No more doubt. Whatever you have doubts, bring it to the Holy Spirit. But He'll show you the truth. Final scripture and we'll close. Can we stand up and we'll read it when we stand up? Stand up. I sent it to you. It's Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. No, I actually, didn't send it to you. Sorry, bro. I think it's Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. Here he is. All Scripture. Can everyone read this? We'll all read it together. Yeah. Here we go. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction the word inspiration if you look it up in the greek and in the amplified it would say all that the man of god may be complete through equipped for every good work but the word inspiration if you look it up in your amplified now in your phones inspiration means god breathed all Scripture is God's breath. God breathed. And it's good for correction, for reproof. In other words, to encourage you, to convict you, to challenge you, to lift you up, to edify you. All Scripture. All means? Does it mean some? I love you is all except for you. That means I don't love you all. He says all Scripture. Can we go back to that for a second? All Means all scripture is God breathed, and the word God breathed in the Hebrew and the Greek means the breath of God is upon it, it means the breath of the Holy Spirit is upon it. It means that when God breathes on something, life comes. When He breathed into Adam, became a living being. When Jesus rose from the dead and walked into the disciples through the wall, and He breathed on the Holy Spirit, the Bible says brought life back into this spirit. See, they believed in the Messiah, but he hadn't risen from the dead. They couldn't be born of the spirit yet. <laughs> he breathed in them. It's the breath of God upon us. Day of Pentecost, I believe God breathed from heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit and baptized us in the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. God breathed. The Holy Scripture is God breathed. God's breath is upon it. It's up to you and me to receive that breath. The Word of God is a seed. The Bible says it's the Word of God. It's planted as a seed in your heart. But if God doesn't blow on it, it's dead. So we need the anointing of God when He breathes on us. I'm not talking about natural breath. I'm talking about God's Spirit that breathes on you. God He's waiting for a people that would believe his word. Do you believe? Or do you compromise? Do you believe? Or do you believe but? But you don't know what I've been through. But God's breath upon your life will change your mind. His breath, his spirit will change your heart. What you're striving to do in the natural, God can do it in like that in the spirit. Come on, somebody. See, you're hanging on to something that God wants you to let go of. The Bible says to be continually filled with his spirit. I said, Lord, do we leak? What do we have to be? I got filled once, I'm filled. But that terminology speaks of a boat with a sail. And when the wind keeps blowing, what does it do? It keeps filling the sail and it takes the boat or the yacht somewhere. You can have a sail up and there'd be no wind. You'd be just floating. And most of us might be just floating. Maybe your Christian walk is just a floater. Look, I'm, I'm, I love Jesus. Yeah. And I'm not sure about all this, but you know, I want to make that step but I'm scared. Or, but you know what? Put your sail up and trust him. Let him blow his wind upon you. It's pretty simple. What's the alternative? I say to people, what's the alternative? I'm not talking about religion, and I'm not talking about legalism, and I'm not talking about religious nutcases. I'm talking about the spirit of faith in Christ Jesus. What have you got to lose? The alternative is what you're seeing in the world today. And I know people, that even Christians are going crazy about what's happening in the world. You need the spirit of God to fight your battle. Come on. While you try and hang on to things yourself and do things in your own strength, guess what he does? You tie his hands. See, I'm anchored in the love of God. Love God and love your neighbor. I can only do that because I'm first being loved. I'm being forgiven. I've been set free. And God will keep speaking and blowing on you because he loves an obedient heart. He doesn't want nothing from you. He wants your heart. But when my heart is obedient, guess what? When I'm obedient to His Word, guess what? My sail opens up and God's breath blows. That's what Paul meant. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the, the, the secret is this. The Holy Spirit will take you where He wants to take you. You don't take Him where you want to go. We don't control the Holy Spirit. He leads us and He guides us into all truth. And the question is, how much of him do you want? Because when you have tasted of the heavenly good, you'll never depart, amen? How can you? This world's got nothing to offer, trust me. I don't care, I've been around long enough. more money I make, doesn't make me happier. The more things I buy, doesn't make me happier. The more places I go, doesn't make me happier. They're nice, but does it make you any happier? Knowing Jesus as Lord and Saviour makes Knowing his spirit upon your children makes you happier. See, God's ready to blow his wind upon his church, but the ones that are faithful and true. So we're not better than any other church. Get your eyes off every other church. We don't judge any other church, because when you start judging God's bride, that's for him to judge, not for you. Don't um, don't come under judgment with you. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Because when he said to the seven churches, he had something against, some were better than others in other ways, but guess what he said? He had something against every one of them. Come on, let's look at us, look ourselves in the mirror and let's be faithful to what the call of God's done for us. We have to be faithful to what God's given us. And if you're struggling in the area, maybe you haven't been faithful. But you know what? It's easy is get back on your bike, get back on that track, get back on that road and just keep on walking. He loves you. And this message today isn't to condemn you, to rebuke you. We've had six weeks off. Many might have struggled in that six weeks as there's no fellowship. You have to ask yourself a question: Why did I struggle? Now, don't get me wrong; we all want to be together. That's that's just normal. But if you struggled with your walk, or you don't have that, and you struggle to get into His presence, you have to ask yourself a question: Is my sail up? Do I believe what His Word says? The disciples asked Jesus a question: What are the works we must do to gain heaven, to do the work of eternally? You know what He said? Believe in Me. Believe in Me. So, Father, I thank you for tonight. Your word is true. that every man be a liar and God be true. His word is powerful and it's a double-edged sword. And Lord, we ask you to protect our ears. We're not of this world. And we lay down our life before you, Father. We thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy. I thank you, Lord, that every desire in my heart is from you, that we lay it at the altar that you would bless it and breathe on it. You breathe your life upon us. We thank you for your word because you are the word that became flesh. You are the true word of God manifested to us and you spoke into our life. I thank you, Father. 2024 is a new day, a new era for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we grow in wisdom and stature before man and God. That we can grow in the knowledge of who you are, Jesus Christ, the one that God sent to redeem us. And we thank you for that. And we give you praise. We give you thanks, Father. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you haven't bowed your knee before him, today is the day of your salvation. Don't go anywhere without him. And He changed your heart from generation to generation. It stops today. The devil is a liar, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God is true. And we thank You for Your Spirit today, Lord. We honor You, we worship You, and we give You all the glory. We thank You, Father, that we are humbled before You with a broken and contrite heart. You are the one that loves our soul. Lord, we're not hopping from place to place, but we're hopping away from the enemy and we're bowing before the Lordship, Lordship of Jesus. Things that have had us struggled and had us entangled, Lord, we ask you to cut them off us in Jesus' name. Teach us to walk in your ways. Bless everyone's family here, Father. I thank you that your, hands, your hand is upon every couple, every married couple, every single, every children, every Father, your hand is upon them. I ask you to bless them in your love right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you bring healing to their hearts. I speak healing to your bodies in the name of Jesus. The wind of the Father. The breath of God. Father, you bring reconciliation. You bring us hearts of reconciliation to be reconciled to one another. Father, that if we have anything against anyone, that we forgive them and put it at the feet of the cross. Father, if we need to repent of something, that we repent and we put it at the feet of the cross and we invoke the blood of Jesus to wash us. And I thank you for your love, Father. Your mercy is new every morning. I thank you, Father, for people that are struggling, who are standing firm in their faith and they're getting attacked. Father, I ask you to protect them that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And every tongue that is raised against them, we condemn. For they are the heritage of the Lord. For those, Father, that are making decisions of their future, Father, that you would guide them in those decisions. I thank you, Father, that people that have made a commitment to you, to serve you, Father, you would give them the grace to walk it out. I come against the devourer and I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And we say that Jesus is Lord. And we lift up holy hands and we say thank you. Thank him. Come on, thank him now. Thank him, Father. We thank you. Thank you, Father. There was nine lepers that got healed and only one came back to say thanks and he was made whole. God loves a thankful heart. They were healed, but he was whole. We want to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. And we worship you, Father, as King and Lord. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, welcome. I mean, go home. Thank you. We'll see you Wednesday, eh? Thank you so much. It was awesome to see your lovely faces. Amen.